Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. I am so super freaking pumped about today's guest, Amanda Blair. She is a relationship coach that focuses on attachment theory for the 2B Magnetic brand. Um, We talk a lot about it in this episode today, and there's a link below if you're interested in learning more. Um, It has really helped me heal and then also um, set some big goals for me and achieve them, which is so fucking rad. Things like, um, I don't know, paying off $18,000 worth of credit card debt and creating a platform um, to share um, my point of view with the world. (laughs) That's it. This is it. You're looking at it. You're listening to it. It's happening right now. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so highly recommend checking that out. But before we get into today's episode, I'm going to do my usual little check-in, my updates, um, and then of course tell you about my upcoming goal-setting workshop. So um, what's going on with me? It, you guys, it is holiday Christmas time. It is, I celebrate Christmas. It's Christmas time. And I have gone this whole entire month, mostly because stay at, or San Francisco is in a complete stay at home lockdown, shutdown situation. Um, but I have not been partying out late. I haven't been um, spending too much time with other people and not recharging alone. (laughs) Yesterday was the first day in the entire month of December that, um, I spent most of the day in meetings or talking to people, um, on the phone, like literally until midnight. And it was really cool because normally that would be so draining and it'd be so exhausting. Um, but instead I was like, "Mm, I've learned how to like play with my boundaries. I'm not processing anyone, processing anyone else's feelings. And I'm like owning my own feelings. So at the end of the day, I wasn't like exhausted. I was just like super charged up and pumped that I like got to connect with so many different people throughout the day. (laughs) So if you're a part of that day, thank (laughs) y'all. Um, and I have to share with you guys. So part of my feeling feelings, We talk about this a little bit in the episode with Amanda Blair. She really suggests for recovering dismissive avoidance, that would be moi, um, to do like literally look at a feelings chart because I um, really shut down my feelings and I just don't allow myself to feel them, which is robbing me of the chance to process them and then also hold a container or hold a bigger container to hold them, have them, whatever the word is. So um, I recently started doing a somatic meditation, which I'm still like playing around finding the perfect one. Um, But right now it's with Thais Gibson at the Personal Development School. And it's just like a five-minute exercise to like literally feel a feeling, dig into it, um, explore where in my body I'm feeling it and like ask myself what that feeling needs. And then, um, I'm doing some EFT tapping with Senor Brad Yates. I'm sure you've heard of him. He's amazing. So whatever feeling I am going through, whether it's like rejection or feeling stupid, I know that's not a feeling, but like feeling um, inadequate or um, shame. Shame is a big one. Oh my God. I feel it all the time. Um, I'm like literally tapping with Brad Yates 
through those emotions. And then the fun part that I'm having is like if if I'm in a situation that I'm triggered by, I will tap um, for me and then I'm going to tap as the other person. I'm going to like get into their psyche and be like, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? Um, What may or may not have motivated them to feel this way? So I'm super freaking pumped about it and um, I'm playing around with it. I'm also playing around with how to – Use those with to be magnetic um, DIs, which are kind of these meditations um, that are in in the brand. And yeah, I'm just having fun with it. I am like feeling all every single one of my feelings, which is a new thing. <laughs> I used to shove them just so far down deep inside that not even I could see them. So here I am. It's it's an exciting time. So I hope everyone's having just the best holiday. I know you guys, it's like the craziest time of year built on the craziest year itself. I know a lot of people are um, setting boundaries, setting boundaries with family. So I wish you just like all the love and support through that. Um, and know that you're not alone. (laughs) I'm really excited about the goal setting workshop that I'm hosting for 2021. It's going to be on January 6th from 5 to 7 PM Pacific time. Don't worry if that time doesn't work for you. I will be sending a recording to all ticket purchasers. So if you're interested in coming buy that ticket, you're going to get the recording as well as all of the worksheets so that you can do this on your own time. And what we're going to do is we're going to review your goals from last year, and then we're going to set some new goals for this year. And when we're setting goals, we're going to make sure that our goals are, um, they're big, big goals, but they're also realistic, right? Because you want to be crossing things off at the end of the year. And then um, we're going to do some exercises on figuring out how your subconscious feels about your goals. So we're going to, you know, explore your limiting beliefs, do a little bit of unblocking, um, so that you have your takeaways on what to work on to achieve your goal. So it's not just, okay, I'm going to get this goal done. It's going to be like, okay, I have an anxious attachment towards money. So I'm going to start working on that in order to achieve this bigger goal of, let's say like my goal is to saving $24,000, a very specific number. <laughs> so um, another bonus for everyone that's attending, you're going to be getting a mid-year check-in worksheet so that you can check in on your goals halfway through the year, see how you're doing, hopefully be crossing some stuff off, um, and then adjust as you need to. And I've got a super awesome early bird discount for all of you early birds. Everyone loves an early bird signing up for the uh, workshop. Um, you're going to get $5 off. So make sure you go ahead go to sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N. And you'll see at the top, there's a little thing that says 2021 goal setting workshop. Um, Go ahead and click that and you'll see all the early bird pricing. Um, So yeah, so I hope to see you there. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Right. Well, welcome to the Lit AF podcast, Amanda Blair. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so cool. I've heard your voice so many times. I've heard you coach so many people and like, it's just so cool to meet you and have you on the show. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Um, okay, so let's just jump right in. Okay. <laughs> um, I would love to hear how you found attachment theory. Yeah, um, I was 
already coaching at the time and I just started stumbling upon, I just kind of stumbled upon it. I think I had heard it in like passing and had never really attached to it um, in terms of like, ooh, that's something that I want to explore. But I guess I'll go back. When I was starting out with coaching, um, I was talking to Jenna Zoe and I was like, you know, but I'm a projector and like, la la la, how do I do that? And her thing was like, just focus on a niche and like your people will find you. And so I was like, okay, I guess like relationship coaching is my niche and I'll just focus on that. Um, but I always had in the back of my mind, like, do I have more of a niche? Mm. And so I, whenever I heard about attachment theory again, at some point, um, I was just like, oh God. And just was like, dove deeply into it and was like, oh, this is, this is it. This is my thing. Wow. So because it just felt so healing for me personally. And that's kind of how you know, I got into coaching anyway, is just healing for me personally. And then was like, oh yeah, I want to do this with others. So, um, that felt so deeply. I just felt so seen, um, when I read about attachment theory and it made me really realize, wow, I'm not crazy. I'm not broken. Uh-huh. I have this attachment and working through that, then I can get out of it. That is so amazing. How did you hear about it? Do you even remember? I don't, I mean, it was, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you the exact thing. Yeah. Again, it like had been, I'd heard about it multiple times throughout, you know, the years I'm sure, but it was just whatever finally like clicked of like, Ooh, explore. Um, I can't, I can't be sure. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It found you in a way. Also, yeah, love that you're a fellow projector. I always feel so relaxed talking to projectors. So I'm so excited about that. (laughs) Yeah, love a projector. Yeah, they're they're great. So can you walk us through the different attachment types? Sure. So there is anxious attachment, um, avoidant dismissive, which is the traditional like avoidant attachment that you're going to hear the most about. And then there's fearful avoidant, which is a combination of anxious and avoidant and then secure, which is a secure attachment. Amazing. And how would you describe each of those different styles? So anxious um, starts, so all attachment theory, basically, let me break this down. So attachment theory starts uh, or rather states um, when you were a child, the way that you attach to your caregiver is the way that you're going to attach to your romantic partners later in life. And then also just attached to relationships later. Mm. So when you're a kid and you have an anxious attachment, you, you had a caregiver or caregivers who were inconsistent with their attunement to you. So attunement is very different than presence. Presence is just like you're physically there and attuning means that the parent was looking in you in the eyes, you know, when you were a baby, paying attention to your needs and meeting those needs. So when it's inconsistent, that attunement was happening sometimes and then not other times, which created a distrust in the child that their needs could be met and then created anxiety about those needs getting met because it didn't know, they didn't know if it would happen again. Will my needs be met? Will I get the attention that I need? Will I get the love that I need, et cetera? So then they go into adulthood and are really struggling with that same inconsistent pattern. So they're attracted to people that are unavailable. So it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. And then avoidant dismissive, 
they in childhood had one or two caregivers where neglect was present. So that could be physical, emotional, um, and there can also be an enmeshment with one of the parents, typically the opposite sex parent, but not always. And that creates this idea that one, they can the only person who can soothe them is themselves. They have to self-soothe because of that neglect. So they learn how to really shut down their emotions and just deal with it on their own. Um, even though that didn't, they didn't get properly dealt with their emotions when they were a kid. So they also don't know how to properly deal with their emotions later in life. Uh. And then when enmeshment is in play, that also means that love becomes or intimacy becomes very unsafe, right? Because when you're enmeshed with a parent, you're being asked to take on a weight emotionally that isn't yours. Mm -hmm. So that feels engulfing and terrifying. So Mm -hmm. they view intimacy as unsafe and scary. Um, And then anxious or rather fearful avoidant is going to be a combination of the of both of those but where that comes from in childhood is usually a lot of abuse um physical sexual emotional and neglect um so there'll be which is almost like the attunement sometimes right like they're getting attention but then it's pulled away and then abuse is there uh so that leads to that inconsistency that anxiety but also that want to avoid any sort of emotion and intimacy And it's not as common as the other attachments. And I think a lot of people will say like, oh, I must be anxious avoidant. But what is really important to note is that attachment theory isn't black and white. It's Mm. the styles are very gray and it's fluid. So you can be anxious, but have avoidant tendencies and you can be avoidant dismissive and have anxious tendencies. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're anxious avoidant. So I just want to throw it out there. And then earn secure meant, or rather secure attachment meant that there are parents in childhood consistently attuned to their needs. So any parents listening, that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect because there's just no such thing. You can't do that. <laughs> but it meant that they're the, they detuned enough the parents did attuned enough to the child that they trusted their needs would be met. And that's really what it boils down to. So then when they get into adult relationship, they trust their partner will show up and give them, you know, meet their needs. And if not, they have self-worth enough to walk away from those situations to find someone who will. So they're really good at setting boundaries. They're really good at communicating, you know, they trust intimacy and all of that. Wow. That's beautiful. Earned secure. Well, that's, you know, that's the goal here. (laughs) And then yes, for those of us with insecure attachment, which are the other attachments besides secure, you can work towards becoming earned secure. And psychologists do say that to like really call that title, you have to be in a very long-term secure relationship. However, there is, in my opinion, tons and tons and tons of work that you can do to really get really get as far as you can on your own. Um, or, you know, even if you're like in a relationship that isn't secure, like there's still a lot of work that you can do that isn't that, but they say that is what will help you the most. I love that. So there's hope for all of us is what I'm Exactly. Hearing. Thank yes. goodness. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is fascinating. I had not heard the enmeshment for dismissive avoidant, but that makes so much sense. Right. Because you're, I mean, if you're in that situation, you're being neglected, you're most likely taking on someone else's feelings, needs, whatever it is, because you're in that type of situation where like you, you have to attune to what they need. Mm -hmm. 
It's fascinating. And for anxious, is there any like enmeshment codependency going on there or is that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I think enmeshment doesn't necessarily just stick with, um, avoidant uh, mm-hmm. attachments, but yeah, typically if you know, they're anxious, there's dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And I think like, that's, what's good to know kind of across the board for insecure attachments. There was dysfunction within the household. It's just what kind of dysfunction was there. Mm-hmm. Right. But typically nine times out of 10, an anxious attachment is going to be codependent. Um, and also could be a love addict that is like super, super common love sex addict. So Uh, those things are definitely at play as well. Wow. That makes sense. That's wild. Well, as a fearful avoidant myself, leaning dismissive avoidant, I have to say this all checks out, (laughs) (laughs) but I love the idea of gray area because I have a tendency and I think really like labeling things like labeling yourself as fearful avoidant can be really limiting because it's, or dismissive avoidant can be so limiting because then you're not able to even accept or perceive the parts of you that are maybe anxious. So talk to us a little bit more about this gray area. So like, does that mean that in work I'm a different attachment style or is it like, like relationship? Like, what is it? Where does it show up? Well, first of all, just what I want to say there is a point that you touched on of like using a label. So something that I like to say about labels is if you use them as a ladder, they're great. If you use them as a cover hole to shut you into a black hole inside of your brain, you got to get rid of them, uh, right? So ladder meaning you use it to climb out of something. And I'll uh-huh. use the example of I'm a projector. So that in human design means that I have to wait for the invitation, right? So I use that as a ladder. So that means for things that I really want, I sit back and I know that they'll come to me. I don't really engage a lot with them. Um, They just, things will come through. Things that I need, I go out and get. So like Mm. things that I need would be like an apartment, right? I recently manifested an apartment back in the (gasps) summer and I went out and engaged with that. That was me going out and co-creating. I wasn't just sitting back on my couch waiting, like I hope an apartment pops through, right? So I used that as a letter. I didn't let that keep me small. Um, So just to note about labels, they are only helpful if you're using them as a ladder. If you're using them as a cover hole, it's not working for you. Um, But in terms of the grayness, yes. So you can be more anxious in romantic relationships, but in your female friendships, you're more avoidant, right? Uh, So there's just, you're an insecure attachment. So you're going to have insecure qualities from each component, but you're going to mostly present as your like dominant attachment if you will, but you will have tendencies of both because it's also under the insecure umbrella. Right. right? And there was usually both going on at home. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. And for so long, like I've been working on my attachment style for not long now, but like almost a year. And I like, I had to look up what, what, how the anxious attachment style like displays. (laughs) Cause I'm just like, so like in my own dismissive avoidant world, I'm like, I don't even know how to deal with that. Like that is not me, but it's like, obviously I have anxious tendencies. Like, (laughs) And that will confuse a lot of my avoidant um, girlfriends. I not surprisingly have a lot of avoidant girlfriends. Um, Cause they're amazing. (laughs) We're the best. (laughs) And also like as an anxious, like we just attract each other, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Because we're going to push where we need pushing. Um, And So my avoidant girlfriends will often be like, you know, they will freak out to me if they're like dating a guy, right? But outwardly to that guy, fucking cool as a cucumber, right? right? 
guy would never fucking know. Guy doesn't even know that they like them. Right. Right. But and so that's like way more avoidant, right? And then more my anxious clients, and like <laughs> this is definitely my story. Um, anyone I know or liked, they knew I was calling them and texting them all the time. I was showing up where I thought they would be. Like, I mean, it was very obvious, right? And like <laughs> the behaviors that I was doing were quite anxious and not like. <laughs> I'm so cool, right? I thought that I no. needed to be the cool girl in order to get them, but there was absolutely none of that was happening. I was acting out in like, please love me, please love me, please love me, like really dog paddly kind of ways. Yeah. You can't wow. see us, but we were both dog paddling with our, <laughs> our hands in that. Position. Really good at it. Gotta say, I'm like an expert dog paddler. <laughs> A reformed, excellent uh, dog paddler. Yes, exactly. Trying to learn no longer, Yeah. <laughs> so true so how can we work in our relationships using attachment theory I feel like this is super broad so just kind of start wherever you want to yeah no well I just I think it's I think attachment theory is so so important because it's kind of what I said in the beginning of why I really resonated with it is it let me know I'm not broken Mm -hmm. I'm not crazy because I think for so long and for so many of us so many of my clients come to me and they're like there's something wrong with me I'm nuts I'll never find love um and I thought that way for so long too. Like there just some, there was something inside me that felt fundamentally broken and that I was just destined, you know, I was like the only one in the world that couldn't be healed. Um, <laughs> which so I heard. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Yeah, I hear that a lot too. And I'm like, yes, no, you're the only one that, was <laughs> that couldn't be healed. So I think it's beautiful for that um, to really recognize this isn't your truth. These patterns that you're in, these behaviors that you're using, whether they're, if you're anxious, they're activating strategies and you're avoidant, they're deactivating strategies. So either you're trying to gain more closeness with activating, or you're trying to pull away from closeness with deactivating. You're using these because that is what you did to survive your childhood. So back then, they were really fucking smart. Good job. You did it. You got through. Now in adulthood, they're not serving you because they're survival tactics and you're trying to come from a place of thriving. So we can look at them to go, okay, let me look at all the ways that I'm trying to still survive this. And I can then go down and heal them and heal this programming so that I can create new programming, right? It's kind of like when you update your computer and it has like, you know, new, um, a new, what is that called? like new software. Uh, Yeah. Software update, new software update. Right. So it's like, you know, it like dings you like software update. It's the same shit. So like you have old fucking software that doesn't work for you anymore. Right. Like if you were on your computer, it'd be like your email won't open. You can't get on the internet. It like closes tabs left and right. It like just shuts down and you're like the fuck you got to update your (laughs) software. So same thing here, but that's going to look like, you know, you can't make a relationship work to save your life. You keep repeating the same patterns in love. You're having trouble in your friendships at work. Maybe, you know, you're spiraling out. So you have to look at the software that you have. And that's what attachment theory is. It's your software. And then you have to update it. And that sounds a lot easier than it is. It takes a lot of work and consistency and diligence, but in doing so and committing to that and committing to yourself, you can change your pattern. Yeah. And I have to say it like I'm doing it. It's happening. It's totally possible. Yes. 100% possible. And I am not in a secure relationship and yet I am still in this relationship. So same. And really I, you know, I've changed it for myself. I've had countless and countless and countless clients 
really start to do the work and changing themselves. And mm-hmm. many through our work together get into healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. So it is 100% possible, like 100%. There's no doubt about it. You don't have to stay with that software that you were taught. You can, you can give yourself new software. Oh, I love that. Such a great analogy. It's time for an update guys. <laughs> exactly. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Don't be late. <laughs> also, I think I'm going to take that, my own idea and use that on Instagram. That's such a good graphic. There so, we go. There it is. Help. I can picture the software update 2.0. <laughs> love it. it. Oh, so good. Okay. So let's stick with, um, I have a question about shadow and attachment theory, but we're going to get there. Right. As a fearful avoidant, leaning dismissive avoidant. And really, okay. I'm just talking about dismissive avoidance here. What do you recommend to practice to start being in touch with feelings and communicating them? Mm. So for avoidance, it's really understanding your feelings first and foremost, because my avoidance will just be like, <laughs> I think my friend Saul is like such a perfect example of this. She told me like years and years ago that one day she decided like, I'm not feeling anymore. <laughs> and I was like... Oh, sweet, sweet little avoidant. (laughs) And I think that's kind of it, right? So she often wasn't aware of what she was feeling and, or a feeling would come out, you know, like, and this is for all avoidance, you know, maybe it was like coming out as anger, but like what's underneath that is actually fear or, you know, it's coming out as like bitterness, but what's actually underneath there is hurt. So they are often very much unaware of what is going on in them. So it's first and foremost, tuning in to how am I feeling? You know, like eyes closed. How am I feeling? What's coming up? Um, and it's even, this is going to sound so cheesy, but like looking at feelings charts and like with that, just list out feelings and being like, what if, what is, what is it this happening inside of me and really trying to pinpoint it. And then eyes closed, hand on heart, let yourself feel it. And the way that you feel an emotion is somatically in the body. It's a right hemisphere thing. If you try to say I'm feeling because you're actually using left hemisphere and suppressing the emotion. So you just want to feel it. So it's just hand on heart, emotion, take over the body usually lasts like three minutes, you know, sometimes five and you get to the other side of it. And there might be then something underneath that feel that until you get to a point where you're kind of at equilibrium. So that's first step, right? You got to understand what you're feeling and then feel it and then process it because you don't want to react from a suppressed emotion, right? You want to be able to check in, what is it, process it so you can get to equilibrium and then you can really respond. So then you can communicate like, hey, that hurt my feelings. And it's allowing yourself to be vulnerable to people that are trustworthy. So if you don't really know a person, then you know, let's say you're newly on a date with a potential partner and they do something really hurtful, like date one, you don't know them. They don't have a lot of trust yet. If you're brand new into this, I don't recommend you getting vulnerable with that person because you haven't developed trust. And that's going to, if they respond negatively, shut you down even more. So what I would recommend is like, hey, that, you know what, we're not a good match. See you later. And then talking to a trusted friend, I felt really upset. It really hurt my feelings when that person said or did XYZ thing. Can I talk to you about it? Mm-hmm. And talking to, you know, your trusted friend or therapist about that. Um, and then if you are with someone that you do trust and you can be vulnerable with, right? You have, you have a relationship, you've developed trust between the two of you, then get vulnerable and share in those instances, because that will reinforce what we want to reinforce, which is vulnerability can be safe. 
you know, emotions are safe, you are safe. So we don't want to reinforce those old limiting beliefs. Intimacy is unsafe. I can't trust anyone. The only person I can rely on myself, right? And so we want to be careful of those two things, but um, it's really allowing that. Asking for help when you need it is huge. My avoidance will not ask for help. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I'm literally taking notes for myself. <laughs> right? I have a girlfriend who is avoidant and we were talking through an issue she was having and I was encouraging her to seek therapy and because and I tapped her leg and I was like, because my sweet little avoidant friend, you cannot do this on your own. And she like, we laughed and then she was like, but can't I? And I was like, nope. No, 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 you need help. You need help through this. My dear friend. So, you know, it's, you know, it's allowing that to happen as well. Love that. Love that. This is amazing. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. To all of this. Listen <laughs> out there with dismissive avoidance. <laughs> the feelings chart is huge, huge. Right. Also though, like if you don't listen to me right now and this is just going to get like put in the back of your brain until like you get tired of your bullshit, like that works too. Love that. It's here for when you need it. I love that. That's huge. That's great. Um, And then flip side for anxious attachment. What do you recommend for practicing to process feelings in self-soothing? So um, yeah, for anxious avoidant, self-soothing is actually really big because they're going to go to other people to soothe them right? Self-soothing isn't something that they really learned how to do. Um, So for more of my anxious clients, it's communication and it's boundaries. It's boundaries, 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 so many fucking boundaries. Um, And they're going to be, they're going to need to be really strong at first. And so I like to think of boundaries as it's a chain link fence. So you can see through it. So you can see who's out there and there's a gate and there's a lock on the gate right? And you want to determine who you can let in. And then you want to determine who to kick out. And you want to determine who you need to close the door on and who you need to set the lock for, right? That's like stronger boundaries. So boundaries are key and it's communicating and communicating specifically your needs. So for example, dating, because it's just easiest to relate to. If you're dating someone, or let's say you're looking for a relationship. And so you're out with someone and things are going well. And you're like, okay, kind of starting to like this person. You need to say, Hey, what are you looking for? And all my anxious out there are like, (gasps) (laughs) they will think I'm needy. They will not like me anymore. That will push them away. They will think I'm crazy. And like, cool. If they think those things, then you don't want to date them. Love that. Right. I just posted Mm -hmm. a thing on Instagram today that the way that you can alchemize these fears is these fears popping up around dating like that. Like, oh God, if I say that, then they won't like me. That is letting you know what your deal breaker is right? It's a deal breaker if they don't support that or want the same thing or respond to you in a way that puts you down or judges you. That's a deal breaker. So you can alchemize it by going, what's the fear? Okay. How is that a deal breaker? Cool. Now I know hard line. No, bye. And that's a boundary, right? And also with my anxious attachments, um, that will take time. Communicating your needs will take time. You'll have to face a lot of fears. You will have to really practice holding your holding yourself accountable and doing that inch by inch. Um, and of course, this is like TBM's work to be magnetic. The brand that I coach for and I work with and teach is everything for that because you need, need, need to reprogram, right? We can't just like talk about what happened in childhood. We have to reprogram it so that you're getting into the subconscious and you're quite literally changing your software. That's how you upgrade your software. Reprogram, TBM, 
go do it. If you haven't signed up for the pathway, please go do it. That's key. Love that. I've been doing it for almost a year now and it's so good. So, so, so good. good. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So, and I was just so glad that you brought up TBM. Um, So in TBM, the shadow is like a whole module. Mm. And I'm so curious, how have you seen the different attachment styles like approach their shadow and how do you recommend working through their shadow? Is there anything different for the different attachment styles? Um, no, I don't. I think shadow is pretty universal, right? And if you're insecure, you're insecure, you're insecure. Uh-huh. So everyone, every attachment style is going to have different insecurities. Like uh-huh. even someone who's more of a secure attachment, like they can still have an insecurity. Um, and, you know, shadow is a little different in that it's going to be deeper, darker stuff where you were shamed or you saw someone shamed for this aspect in childhood. So you cut it off um, and you threw it in your shadow. But I wouldn't say that I've seen like a huge discrepancy in anxious shadows versus avoidant shadows. It's kind yeah. of just like, we all got shadow that we have to deal with. Universal. <laughs> right, exactly. And the way that you deal with it is by literally dealing with it because I know for me that was something that I avoided for so long and I know like you know if anyone is in the TBM world they've heard Lacey tell the story of like her client me who refused to do like any of the homework that she gave me for a really long time because I was just like (laughs) I can't look at it oh my god like Um, and then the moment I did and I was fearful because I thought oh god if I look I'm gonna see that down in there, it's going to prove that my deepest fear about myself is true, that I'm fucked up, that I'm unlovable. And that like, you know, I'm better off not being here. Like it really did get that dark sometimes. And when I, when I looked, what I saw was nothing scary. What I saw was a tiny little version of me that needed love, that needed attention. And that was terrified. She wasn't going to get it. And when I was able to see that the relief that I was able to feel was like, okay. Oh my gosh. Like I just need love. I can do that. Right. Um, and it really took away that, that how like fearful I thought it would be. And it was, it's literally just getting yourself in there and looking at it and like working through a lot of that, um, resistance and what's happening with resistance. So glad you asked. So, (laughs) um, resistance. How did you know? You know, um, so what's happening with resistance is when our brain was created, you know, when we were evolving into humans was we had this ego part of our brain, right? And the ego is meant to protect us. So we had physical boundaries back then. We had physical territory because the world was so unknown, right? So those physical, new physical territories could mean death by rival tribe, the saber tooth tigers, you're falling off a cliff, you're eating something that you don't know, you're dying, right? And we needed to survive to further the species. So our ego was like, hey, that's a new physical territory. That equals death. Come on back. Stay where you know. Stay where you know you're going to be protected. What we have evolved out of is really physical territories causing us danger for the most part. Um, You know, there's still some obviously areas of the world where that is not the case, but for the most part in the civilized world. And so now we have emotional territories. So when we get into a new emotional territory, we're hitting our emotional edge and we're going past it, the ego is still associating it with physical territory, danger, death. So you're hitting something new. It's going to help you grow, right? Because out past your edge is growth and that your ego is associating that with danger, death. So it's going, oh, hell no. Come back, come back, come back. Scary, scary, scary. No, no, too much. No, no, no. 
right? So part of it is kind of understanding that neuroscience and recognizing that mechanism and going, okay, I'm hitting an edge. This is making me uncomfortable. I have to recognize that's trying to protect me. So I need to go in there and say, hey, I got this. We're okay. Thank you. Right. Adult self is here now. I'm going to take inner child by the hand and like, we got, we got this. I'm going to keep moving forward. So, you know, with shadow, it is really just facing it. And then it's also understanding the reason why you want to avoid it. So it's easier for you to start to face. Mm, I love it. You got to like accept the reason why it's there in order to love it and be able to process it. Exactly. Ah, so, so beautiful. Shadow is like, I'm so embarrassed to say this, but it's like always the last thing I think of. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Also, that we just did is incredible. And um, one of our other coaches, Atara, uh, he did a, he wrote a DI for it and it's, it's really amazing. Oh God. I got to jump back in there. Third time this year. I'm excited. (laughs) Never enough. So good. Um, okay. Well, this is kind of a big question then does perfect lead up. How does attachment theory work in tandem with manifestation? And when I say manifestation, I really mean to be magnetic Lacey Phillips program. So I believe, I mean, you know, this is definitely like me saying this, but, um, I believe it works because it's just another layer to help you understand, um, your programming and, and to pull back and peel back. So it's just like, if you think of it, it's like a magnifying glass that's helping you look at like the fine print in your programming so that you can know, ah, okay, I got a touch here. So it just kind of helps you refine and get down there even deeper. I love that. For me, it's like realizing that I have anxious attachment towards some things and like a dismissive attachment (laughs) to others. And I'm, I was a little shocked to realize that I have it to like things like money and career and bosses like it's not just well bosses is obvious but like it's literally not just my relationships with other human beings it goes towards like how I'm being perceived and things like that so I'm curious if you've come across like any kind of specific attachment style work with manifestation like that well yeah of course I mean it's it's so, I mean, yes, to everything that you just said, and it's um, so specific to every person, you know, it's really looking at, you know, your, your attachment and where it started childhood. Cause that's where this all stems from, because that is the program that was put into your subconscious and that's where you're acting from. So we had Bruce Lipton on the expanded podcast, um, not too long ago. And he said, you know, from zero to seven, you're just recording. That's being, that's your subconscious. And then when you grow up, you're like, okay, I want to like manifest this, but you're not manifesting from your desires. You're manifesting from your subconscious and your subconscious is full of blocks and limiting beliefs. So you wonder why nothing is coming through. That is why. So that's what you got to look at. And attachment theory just helps you look deeper so that you can get down. It's just like a layer to help you really look at. And, um, and start pulling those layers back so you can start reprogramming the limiting beliefs so you can remove the blocks so that you can come from your desires and not those limiting beliefs. I love that. That's amazing. That's so huge. Amazing. Well, is there anything else you want to share with us about attachment theory or should be magnetic or how to live your best life? <laughs> um, yeah. So what we're, we're doing a challenge at TBM. That's incredible. It's um, with the daily practice and we're in the second week right now. It's all about magnetism. So I highly encourage everyone to join that. 
we're all doing it as a team and it's just such a beautiful way to end this year and head into God and like, what a crazy year <laughs> um, <laughs> and to head into 2021. Um, and then personally, we are still doing a hundred dollars off coaching sessions. So our sessions are typically 350, um, but right now they're only 250 until December 31st. So if this conversation is really resonating with you and you're like, oh my God, um, this is what I work with clients on uh, daily. So I would love to support you in that way. So you can get a hundred dollars off right now. Um, and what I just really want people to know and take away is that you are not broken. Yes. You are not broken. You can have the life that you dream of. You can have the relationship you dream of. I don't care how long you've been single. I don't care what relationships you had in the past. It doesn't mean that you can't do that now and in the present. So if you are wanting to change your life, you absolutely 100% can. And there is nothing inside of you that means you can't. There's just nothing broken. There's nothing wrong with you. You are already whole. We, the work at TBM is just helping you realize that and see all of the lies that you've been telling yourself. So that's it. Love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm curious, how can um, someone follow you on Instagram or can find you to coach? Yes. So my Instagram is Blair. Um, and I have a website, amandablair.org. I have a lot of resources there for attachment, um, articles and, you know, um, really more focusing on anxious attachment, but still some stuff about everything there that you can look at. I have a lot of resources on my Instagram. Um, and then for TBM it's tobemagnetic.com and in the menu bar, press work with a coach and you can find my page, but you can also look at the other coaches to see if maybe they resonate more. Um, and we also have a Q&A service if you're not ready to commit to a coaching session. It's only $25 and you can ask any question. You don't have to be a member of the pathway. The way it will probably encourage you to do so if you're not. So be prepared for that. Um, but that's just a couple of ways that you can connect. I love that. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing the magnetism challenge. I'm doing it. I'm doing it with the Unblocked Village or Magnetic Meetup in San Francisco. Magnetic Meetup. Oh, so great. Yeah, I love Magnetic Meetups. I used to host my own. Oh, not yeah. right now. The what? coaches are now doing these like big ones. Um, oh, cool. Oh, I haven't yeah. attended those. How is that going? It's going really well. We held our first one in November um, and we're not doing it this month because it's just like, it's the holidays. Uh, it's yeah. the end of the crazy year. Uh, so we're going to pick it back up in January and it's really fun. We're really excited about them. Love that. That's so cool. So fun. That's amazing. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Wasn't that episode just phenomenal? Thank you again, Amanda Blair, for being on the show. I just keep thinking about what she said about the um, not getting too attached to labels and using that more as a ladder instead of a cover hole. I mean, it just, yeah, a lot of things clicking with this conversation, which I really, really appreciate. And as a reminder, I will be hosting a goal-setting workshop on January 6th from 5 to 7 Pacific time. Um, this will be setting goals for 2021. So if you want to come set goals with me in a group setting, it's going to be awesome. We're going to review goals from last year. We're going to set some big goals for this year. And then we're going to do some subconscious exploration and some unblocking. And um, it's going to be just awesome. I'm so excited to do this with all of you. So head to the website, sarahcohan.com, S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N, 
www.thegoalsetter.com and you can see on the menu there's a 2021 goal setting workshop. Go ahead and just click that button and you can learn more and sign up there. Thank you so much. Have a good holiday. Bye. That's it for today's episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back for more. In the meantime, check out sarahcohan.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com.